Warning. The following episode will talk about sexual assault and rape allegations. Helping kids. Bullying. Boat sinking. Baseball. Sexism. Fucking Frank. Strong language. Legacy burning. And the following episode will include Spoiling Doctor's Notes. Welcome to the Ben Library Podcast. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. My name is S.D. Harker, librarian, writer, hater of the candy peeps. You can follow me on Twitter at BandWriter. You can follow the Band Library on Twitter at BandLibrary. Also Instagram, Facebook, and the Easter Candy message board, Death to All the Peeps. But I don't pay attention to most of those. If you'd like to help support the Band Library, go over on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash BandLibrary. There's a link on the post and on the website, bandlibrary.com. For a dollar a month, just $12 a year, you can too be a member of the Friends of the Band Library, get access to damn near everything we've ever done going back at least 372 years. You can believe it. You shouldn't. We just did Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all the way up to episode 3, Mod's Dilemma, a 1972 TV show Mod starring B. Arthur on Band TV our monthly band TV episode. And I had a good time doing both of them. So come on over, enjoy us. Talk some Marvel. Today we are going to be talking about, well, several lessons being learned, including dealing with bullying, losing something you worked hard for, being a good sport, and not being a rapist. These books, Little Bill series, we're going to cover three of them today. I'll get to the meanest things to say, Shipwreck Saturday, and Hooray for the Dandelion Warriors. They were all written by comedian, actor, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say alleged rapist because he got convicted or rapist or what. We're going to stick with the alleged just in case. There's some appeals going on. I'm not 100%. Bill Cosby. Born William Henry Cosby Jr., 1937. Cosby was raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, if you're not sure which one. He failed the 10th grade after moving schools. 1956, he joined the Navy and eventually worked in physical therapy for veterans of the Korean War. After the Navy, he received his high school equivalency. He went on to Temple University on a track scholarship. He dropped out of Temple to do stand-up comedy in 1961. By 1963, he appeared on The Tonight Show, had a contract to do several albums. His comedy was criticized for not containing many controversial or racial elements, to which he responded that if he was making people laugh, he was bringing them together. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's sort of what he said. Throughout the 60s to the mid-2010s, he continued to stand up and hosting events, as well as starring in several television shows. The most memorable was the 80s sitcoms The Cosby Show, but others include I Spy, Fat Albert, The Cosby Mysteries, and some darndest kids saying things. Married his wife Camille in 1964, and the couple had five children. 
to unfortunately have passed. 2014, comedian Hannibal Burris included his own act, a bit talking about the many sexual allegations against Bill Cosby. The upswing in the interest caused several women to come forward with allegations going as far back as the 1960s. In 2018, Cosby was convicted on three counts of aggravated indecent assault. These charges were are in the appeals process during the time of this recording, as well as other allegations. So again, we're going to say alleged, but, you know, don't rape people. Whoever you are, anybody. Now, I do have to pivot to talk about somebody who's really awesome, who unfortunately is connected to this, but I want to give her her due. Varnett P. Honeywood is the illustrator of these books. Born in 1950 Los Angeles to two school teachers, one from Mississippi, one from Louisiana, she earned her bachelor's in art from Spelman College in Atlanta, one of the first black colleges in America, and her master's in education from the University of California. She taught outreach classes to in art to minority students in public schools. Using her experiences visiting the South family and going to Nigeria, her art was modeled to show scenes from black life. Her and her sister started a greeting card company called Black Lifestyles, a first for that market. Camille Cosby, Bill's wife, first noticed the Honeywood's art. I keep saying Hollywood, and if I do say Hollywood, I apologize to Varnett P. Honeywood and her family. Her art is really well done. Uh, They first noticed the art, and they began collecting it. Various works of hers are visible in all Cosby's television shows, The Cosby Show, Different World, and many other shows, including The Golden Girls, Marilyn's Place, and 227, if you remember that Jack A. wonderful sitcom. Sadly, she did pass away after a two-year battle with cancer in 2010, but her legacy lives on in a foundation starting her name to bring awareness to reproductive cancers and her work. And I don't really, it feels really bad to tie this really great person into somebody who has done horrific things, especially to women. And that's, that sucks that, but that is the dichotomy. Unfortunately, people can do good and horrible things with their lives. And thankfully some of us don't do too horrible things and not enough of us do too many great things. That's all I'll really have to say. Uh, Before I read this, series i was pretty sure it was because it was banned because of the allegations against bill cosby turns out i was totally right it made number nine on the top 10 most challenged books from 2016 from the american library association due to criminal allegations against the author bill cosby the ranking is based on 200 uh, 323 challenges reported to the office in 2016 by school librarians across the country the ala reports They don't specify where any of the challenges occur, unfortunately, so we don't know. Most of that, uh, we've talked recently about, because it's uh, fear, a lot of people would come forward with, you know, having their jobs threatened if those things are reported, but yet they are reported. And I think it's, it's almost worse that we hide where they are. Because then you can't point out, like, no, this, people are, trying to stop something here. People are trying to get, even if it's a bad thing. Unfortunately, one of the censorship reports, the Office of Intellectual Freedom of the ALA, received about the Little Bill series was because of offensive language, quote-unquote, 
but pretty much everybody agrees that it's it's because Bill Cosby. Uh, there's no offensive language in, in anything. I, re- I read three of them. There's like 20-something in the series. This is believed to be the first time a title has been targeted solely for its author and not its content. The Office of Intellectual Freedom director James LaRue said, more than 35 books in the series, sorry, 13 are credited to Cosby. Three books found a place on Oprah's Book Club in 1997. The series has become an Emmy Award-winning Saturday morning cartoon series that ran off and on from 1999 to 2006. So again, it spawned good things, but goddamn, Cosby's leg- legacy has been undermined by the sexual assault allegations from dozens of women. He is facing trial in Pennsylvania, and like I said, was convicted, but there are appeals coming, so even though he is... An elderly man at this point, it still stands. He should be accountable. This is not the first author among classic authors that are revered for their writing, yet despised for the people they are, bigotry in general. T.S. Eliot, Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl uh, Edith Wharton, and Dr. Seuss, who we've all talked, we've talked about at least Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss on the show about how a lot of their stuff uh, is sort of racist and they worked in racist ways. I can't speak to the other two because I haven't delved into that recently. Although I do remember hearing that, you know, there weren't the great people in the world. So yeah, that's why this book series is banned or made it onto the list. And I don't want to get too much more into that because that's what it is. And there is a big question about the art versus the artist. And if the art has done good things and the artist is a piece of shit, who do we revere? Where do we put that? I mean, his name is all over it. The character is based on him, I think. Or at least he put his name on it, which shows a level of, I don't know. I guess they you could defend it saying going for recognition, but also now it tarnishes that little Bill character. It sucks. All around. Because these are actually pretty well done books. And let's just get into them. They're not that long. It won't take very long to get through. I covered three of them. Uh, The first one was meanest thing to say. Uh, We get a page on the start of all these, and I'm not going to go into it outside of just throwing out. Uh, Dr. Alvin F. Poissant of Harvard Medical School gives a little message and some real spoilers for what's about to come in the story itself. Basically saying that this is what the book's trying to say. Uh, In the first one, meanest thing to say, uh, bullying is a problem. And that the book handles it well. That's pretty much what it says. We start with Little Bill. And he's our narrator. He's talking, hey, I'm Little Bill. He's got a B on his shirt, so you always know who he is. Saying there's a new kid in class named Michael. All the kids go out to play basketball, but Michael has a game called Playing the Dozens. Which we never had a name for this. We just always make fun of each other. Because... In this game, though, everyone has to say something mean about someone else, and you get a dozen tries. So 12 tries. But I don't know who wins or loses. Just one of those kid games where you just be a dick to each other. We always just, I mean, I guess when I was growing up, the your mama jokes got real big, so whoever made everybody laugh the most. But that wasn't targeting individual people, and it was just sort of the overall idea of your mama. Which, you know, that can hit some people the right way or the wrong way. Some of them are really fucking funny. My favorite was always, uh, your mama's house so dusty, the cockroaches ride dune buggies. <laughs> I don't know why. 
the first time I heard that, I almost cried laughing, and it still makes me giggle. Just the image of cockroaches riding doom buggies. It's just fucking hilarious. So anyway, several of the kids go into it, and I must say, this is a very diverse group. Um, Kiki, I know, is Asian. Jose, of course, uh, Mexican or Latino bent. There's many different people here. I only remember those because they come in the story a little bit later. They all get into this, you know, playing the dozens. But little Bill doesn't get a chance to get back at Michael when Michael says, you shoot like a girl. And he, he ruminates on this. He goes home. He's he's thinking about it. He's seeing, saying mean, thinking about saying mean things to Michael. He starts jumping on his bed and like fake boxing. Like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to go for it. And his family hears everything he's saying. And his dad, Big Bill, comes in and says, you know, what the fuck is everybody talking about? And they explain, you know, playing the dozens. He's going to say mean things to Michael. And then Big Bill says, well, we used to call that ranking back in the day. And Big Little Bill's like, he told me I shot like a girl. And Big Bill says, so? Oh, well, he's, he's, he's a big jerk. So? Well, he, he's, he's mean and he needs to be put down his place. So? And Little Bill learns that saying just so with a questioning mark is easier than studying a million mean things, which is what little Bill was doing. He was trying to like come up with all these different mean things to do. But all you do is be like, and so who cares what you say? So the next day when little, when Michael comes after him saying the mean things again, little Bill's so Michael keeps trying to bait him. So and everyone laughs because it's clear, clear little Bill doesn't care what Michael thinks. And Michael gets really flustered. He goes off by himself, sits alone. And little Bill kind of feels bad for him because he's a nice guy. He just had a really shitty game. So he goes over and like, hey, you want to play basketball? He says, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I could do it. He's like, so? And it's just a big joke and they high five and everything's cool. And it's a really good story about how conflict re- resolution. Just, if you kind of act cool, sometimes you just be cool. You know, just... Let things roll off your back. It doesn't matter what the guy says to you. You just let it pass. It's a good lesson. Again, in the art style, it's super simplistic. Um, basic geometric shapes. Uh, bright colors. It, it's really well done. Everything about this. The next one we're going to do is Shipwreck Saturday. We get another letter from Dr. Poisson saying how kids making their own toys was great. I, I mean, it, they cared about them more because they put more time into it. So when you, you know, you whittle away your own boat or some shit, then you're actually going to care more. Little Bill starts starts this story talking about his hat. And it comes in later about how he wants to wear it. Like, does he wear it backwards or wear it to the side? He finally decides just to wear it really low over his eyes. And his dad says you can't see it, but you know, he feels cool. But he's made a boat and he's going to take it out to the lake with his brother Bobby. The boat's called Moby Dick because Little Bill doesn't understand irony. And everyone at the lake is making fun of his boat and you're joking, which kind of undermines the last story we just read, but still, it kind of works. <laughs> it's just like, man, man, everybody's like, that's a really nice boat, but it's probably going to sink. But he, he meets his friend Kiki, who's being, Kiku, sorry, who's being really nice. And she's wearing rainbow ribbons in her hair and she's over with her grandmother and they're doing origami. And his grandmother, uh, Kiku's grandmother explains that you can make a swan or a flower or a fan and he's like, 
that's all girl stuff you know, and a boat. You're like, hell yeah, I can make a boat, but I got my own boat. Kiko, you want to come sail this boat with me? And Kiko's down because Kiko's down. And then little Bill and Kiko go over and they start sailing and he's it's doing great. It's just going across the water and he's got a string tied to it so he can pull it back and he's just letting it go and the wind's catching the paper sail and it's a wooden little boat and it's just going and going and he gets it all the way out the middle of the lake and Kiku's like, maybe you should pull it back. And he's like, fuck you. That's my boat. My boat's doing awesome. And then a rowboat comes along and the waves from the rowboat cause it to fall over. And then the rowboat just smashes into it because whoever's doing that rowboat's a dick. And the boat's ruined. It just sinks. And little Bill just wants to cry. He's so upset. He can't believe he did it. And he runs home. Leaves his brother there. Leaves Kiku there. Leaves everybody there. He's like, fuck y'all. I'm going. I'm leaving. Because of his own hubris. And he's at home. And his dad's like, why aren't you out, out at the lake? He says, well. And he tells him, you know, about about the boat and the Kiku and all that shit. And his dad's like, you shouldn't have left your brother like that. That's fucked up. Let's go back to the park. And he says, hey, it's just a boat. You'll be okay. Let's go back to the park. And they go back to the park and they see Kiku flying a kite. And the kite's really awesome. It's this big, big thing with a rainbow tail. And he finds out it's made from Moby Dick's sails. She pulled it back in and used her rainbow ribbon to make a ribbon off of it. And everyone thinks it's fucking awesome. And we learn the lesson that, you know, maybe sometimes you shouldn't be too, I don't know, too adventurous with your toys. Maybe you should be a little bit more careful, have some care when you're playing. But also, if something does get ruined, you can always repurpose. You can always make it better. You can always do a different thing with the toy that you've made. And Dr. Poussant's thing was that, you know, cheap store-bought shit, all the plastic and the random stuff, it doesn't hold together, it doesn't last. But stuff that you make yourself, there's some pride in that. And that if you do make something yourself and you have pride in it, you should take care of it. And if for some reason it does break, sometimes things can be turned into something better. It's a good lesson. All these are really good lessons, damn it. And our third story is called Hooray for the Dandelion Warriors. And I should have put an exclamation on that and gave it up a little bit, but that's not really this podcast, is it? We have another spoiler letter from Dr. Poisson, and he pretty much just gives everything away. There's not a whole lot of, like, lessons or whatever. He just, like, he just does does a plot summary like I'm about to do. It's kind of like, why are you even here, man? I mean, outside of lending some credence to this children's book. We learn that Little Bill is excited because tryouts are coming for baseball. And he loves second base. And he's sure he's going to get it because he practiced really hard with his dad all the time. And his friends are all excited too. And they have the team all mapped out. Basically, everybody's going to play a different position. And Little Bill's going to be second base. And it's all going to be great. They just need a name. And the girls, they all want the dandelions. And the boys all want the warriors. They're all yelling, dandelions, dandelions, warriors, warriors. Except for Frank, who wants to be called the Franks, because Frank's a fucking dick. I, I just, it's funny. It's funny and it's called back later. But goddammit, Frank, we can't name it after you. I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing here. But sit the fuck down and either pick dandelion or warrior or get the fuck away. But I like your tenacity, so, you know, stick around maybe. And tryouts happen. Little Bill, he's doing pretty good. 
And then this new girl, she's tall, she's athletic, she's named Simone, hits and runs better than him. And when coach is like, where do you like to play? She's like, second base. And Bill's like, fuck. I play second base, but I don't hit as good as she does, and I don't run as good as she does. She's going to get second base, damn it. He goes home, and he's all bummed out, and his dad is like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Little Bill's like, well, he tells him the story. His dad's like, I never lost a position to a girl. What's wrong with you? So the first time we're kind of out of step with dad here. Like, come on, dad, be a little bit chill. Because mom's like, that's because nobody would let the girls play baseball when we were growing up. Boom. And little Bill whines. Like, yeah, you shouldn't make girls play baseball with the boys. That's fucked up. But Alice the Great, his grandmother, who's been in the books before, but never really had a whole lot to say other than Alice the Great's here. She asks, hey, little Bill, while you're talking shit, if Simone's on second base, are you a better team? Or would you be on second base being a better team? And little Bill's like, ah, fuck, that's something to think about. Damn it. And little Bill dreams that night that they're at the World Series. His whole team is making it. Everything's praying great. And Simone... She's on the team, too. She's kicking ass. They're going to win this seventh game. The whole thing's up to them. But then the the rule makers come along like they do and kick her off the team because they say girls can't play. And little Bill wakes up going like, ah, fuck. Man, it would be a better team if she was on it. He knows it in his heart. So he goes to school the next day and the team roster's posted and everyone's made it. Because they're they're tiny children. And everybody's playing all positions, the poster says. And they're like, what the fuck, coach? We can't all play all positions. He's like, yeah, you're all going to take turns playing all the positions because you all have strengths and weaknesses. You know, you can run faster than she can. He can hit better than you can. You know, everybody's different. So you're all going to play all the positions and you're all going to figure it out. Who belongs in the best one? And there's one weird thing, though. He says, yeah, and the catcher can't run very fast. Like, how often does the catcher really need to run fast? Maybe this is my lack of understanding of how baseball works fundamentally. I mean, I get the gist. I've played baseball video games. I played one year of t-ball. I was horrible at it. But anyway, everybody's happy with this decision. Like, okay, yeah, that sort of makes sense. You know, we all suck. So let's find out what we suck least at. Except for Simone. She's fucking crushing it. Even the coach is like, yeah, fucking Simone, Simone's crushing shit. And then the coach is like, well, what's our name going to be? And everybody starts fucking shouting, Dandelions, the Warriors, Dandelions, the Warriors, Frank, fuck you, Frank, Dandelions, Warriors. And he's finally like, fuck it. We got our name. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? He's like, we're going to be called the Franks. Everybody's like, fuck you. And he's like, yeah, I was just kidding me. Fuck you, Frank. No, it doesn't really happen. But still, they kind of brush Frank aside and decide they're going to be the Dandelion Warriors. It's the most unique name ever. And everybody's happy except for Frank, but fuck Frank. And that's the end of our story. Again, another good lesson about the best team is when everyone can participate and everyone tries out and, you know, helps out and gets their strengths together. All these stories, light on comedy, heavy on lesson, uh, there's outside of that one Frank thing, I didn't really laugh most of it, but 
you can get there pretty fast. They're pretty well told. I mean, they're pretty concise. There's no fat on it. You can pretty much breeze through these pretty well. Uh, there's great art. I've talked about I talked about that already, but yeah, just really evocative art where you'd sort of like see how everybody's doing or like you get the emotion, you get the um, what's happening in the story. There's also a very strong, like I said before, with all his friends, a multicultural angle. There's a variety of people. Um, that last story especially has very gender forward ideas. Just, it's really well done. And I really hate that the author is an asshole. I would totally recommend this series if it wasn't written by a alleged rapist. And that's... Shit, I guess that's all we can say in this life. <laughs> I mean, oh well. But that's that's kind of all I have. Um, do you separate the artist from the art? Is there something that you can't watch? I specifically can't watch um, any Kevin Spacey stuff anymore or Woody Allen stuff, although he, he's gotten really shitty in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of people probably. If I sat here long enough, I could list them out that I just can't watch anymore. But then again, Pablo Picasso is an asshole and his blue period's just, it's gorgeous. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's the idea that I studied a bunch of literature for a long time and, you know, the background of the authors and most of them are assholes. I'm sorry. That, that's just the fact. And I don't know, I could sit here and justify a lot of the stuff that I've read. I mean, hell, I'm a Lovecraft fan and he was a, who knows how dark and horrible he was. But also, he's, I don't know. I, there's a lot of good and bad in people. And I'll try to see books as artifacts. Not as, you know, they're a cultural touchstone to what it was, not what it could be or should have been. So I'm not going to try to judge too many. Yet at the same time, if they're living right now and they're living lies by doing horrible things to hurt people, fuck them. Is there a writer, director, actor whose work you can't consume? I, I just have a question. That's, you've heard mine. Some people I can, some I can't. Long dead or long dead, whatever. Send your answers over to our Twitter. One of the ways you can contact us on bandlibrary.com's contact page or email us contact at bandlibrary.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and other social media, whatever you like. I may or may not pop in. Who knows? Mostly on Twitter, though. Band Library and Band Writer. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bandlibrary, telling you you're missing out, band TV. That's all we have for this week. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.